Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Shriners Hospitals for Children Open Megapod, breaking it all down. Joining me, Mark Immelman, is on the scene of some golf course. Mark, where are you at? Can you believe I'm on a golf course? Uh, I'm at the <laughs> I'm at the Country Club of Columbus. Um, it's a fundraising golf day for a local school that me and my team, the Columbus State University, help out at. And uh, so I've been here since the morning. Everything's going well. It's a nice fall day here in Columbus. A uh, little breeze, like I told you, the wind starts to blow like it does in the fo- in, in the fall here. And, and there's a Donald Ross place. We've got a bunch of them around here, so it's been good fun. I love it. And Kyle Porter on the scene of his car. Is that where you're at, KP? Yeah, it's week three of homelessness for me. You know, uh, Mark Hubbard, his Twitter handle is Homeless Hubs. I might need to change mine to Homeless Ports because that's what it feels like. Um, But no, we're good. I'm ready for the Shriners. Yeah, Uh, it'll be good. If you want to see the sites, you can give us a watch on YouTube at First Cut Podcast. Don't forget, in the Apple Podcast reviews, drop your five-star rating and review. Any questions you want to hear about, what kind of car does KP drive, all that good stuff, we'll answer it in exchange for a five-star rating and review. Gentlemen, we're in Vegas. The Vegas swing is upon us, week one of two. And with the CJ Cup uh, next week, A lot of these big-name golfers have shown up here at TPC Summerlin. And KP, this is one of the strongest fields we've seen in tournament history. Bryson is here, Colin Morikawa, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, of course. I mean, this is is an impressive one. Yeah, uh, I think eight of the top 20, 13 of the top 30 in the world. And I do wonder... I wonder how much of it is that Augusta is five weeks away. And I wonder how much of it is, you know, I was reading an article today on PJTour.com and this was kind of cheesy, but, but Maverick McNeely said that people are calling Vegas kind of the Jupiter of the West, which I was like, who's actually, I've literally never heard that. Who's actually calling it that? But I, I, I just, I wonder like, like Morikawa lives there. Whenever we interviewed him, he was at his house out there. Yeah. I read that Xander's moving out there. There's a lot of guys that have started kind of moving in that direction. So I wonder how much of it is just, um, just, a, just close, to, you know, being close to home. You know, a lot of those guys are playing uh, in that event this week. So uh, regardless, it's, it's awesome. And like I said on Sunday, I wrote about this on Monday Bryson is the the storyline in golf right now, not just for Shriners, not just for what he did at the U.S. Open, but with Augusta National coming up, like he is the biggest narrative in the sport, bigger than Tiger, bigger than all of it. And we get to see kind of the next step in that evolution this week, which I think will be will be fascinating. I think you hit on a really interesting point there, and I want to get Mark's take on this. You know, Mark, when we had 91 days off 
and we talked a lot about how the new schedule was going to be impacted. I mean, it was a sprint, right? I mean, we had all the big name players. We had some of the strongest fields ever at Colonial and then Heritage, and it just it just kept going. We're still feeling those ramifications. Kyle's right. We're five weeks out from Augusta. There, there is still a ripple effect of scheduling for these guys. There certainly is. Uh, but the good news for the folks like Bryson and company, uh, you know, they've had a little time off post playoffs and, and and they've dodged events like Napa and Mississippi and such. But you're getting to a place now to Kyle's point where, you know, it's certain guys like to play leading into major championships. So it's a good it's the good sort of time to break out the clubs and at least start shaking off the rust as you get into competition. And the one thing about Summerlin, um, the, the greens roll pretty fast. Uh, the wind can blow a little bit around there. And, and whereas there's not much rough, it sort of lets you hit a driver a little bit. So, so from that point of view, even though it's not Augusta National, there, there are similarities to the way that one would approach the golf course. So this week, I'm not really surprised given Vegas, uh, given the quality of the golf course, you know, because this event has drawn in the past some, some good fields and it's had some great winners. So, uh, so, so it's a great time in the schedule and these guys can start making a little hay as they make their way to Augusta. Let's dive into the beefy one who is going to be in a bombs away group with Cameron Champ and Matthew Wolf for the first two days. Kyle, it's a shame there's going to be no fans out there to see this because that's going to be an absolute stripe show. Uh, how often do you think Wolf is the shortest guy in his in his group? Maybe every time, right? No, no, no but I mean like... Oh, oh, like never. Yeah, no, no, I see what you're saying. Like only these two guys. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really incredible. And we get, we get a little US Open Redux with Bryson and, and Wolf. did those pairings just come out by the way? I haven't seen them. Uh, it was featured groups. So we have featured uh, groups. I don't have all the pairings yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Now that, that'll be fun. I, I think that, I mean, again, like I, I think that my focus this week so far has been on Bryson and I think that they're like for good reason. Right. But there's a ton of huge names in this field. Right, like there's 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 Morikawa, there's Wolf, there's Fowler, there's Finau, there's Webb, uh, Francesco Molinari. We're going to talk about in a little bit, but yeah, that that will be the group to watch, uh, mostly because of how the U.S. Open ended with Bryson and, and Wolf being paired together on Sunday. And you know, I think as much as we talk about Bryson, and, and we should, I think what Wolf is doing is going to get a little. Um, it's it's going to get run over a little bit, but it shouldn't. He's 21 years old. He has two top fives in his only two major championship starts. He's not in the Masters, is he? I don't think he's in that. I point. don't know that. I don't think so. Um, or maybe he is. Maybe he did get it. Maybe it was Hoblin that wasn't in. Somebody can look that up. But uh, he, he's really, I think, you know, he talked about this at the U.S. Open where he's going to go back to just – mentally playing the way he did in college. I think you get out on the PGA Tour and you start thinking, oh, well, I got to I gotta do stuff different because it's the PGA Tour. And it's like, no, just be who you are. And I think that he has done that at the PGA, at the U.S. Open. And so I think he is in the Masters. Thank you, Producer Jacob. I think it was Hoblin that I was thinking of that's not in the Masters, even though it's like 31 in the world. But, yeah, I think Wolf is super interesting at 21 to see how, like, where he goes from those two top fives in major championships. I, I think you have to start thinking about him as a threat every single week. You know, it's interesting. I, I wonder what 
other players are thinking of Bryson as a threat because Mark, we were talking about this. The buzz just before we went live is Rory McIlroy making the rounds on Twitter for uh, taking a swing and and having 191 mile an hour ball speed. Says the first time he's ever broken 190. We might be in the midst of an arms race right now. Uh, look, it's been an arms race for since golf was being played. Played because the, the the power game lends itself to the advantage, and, and there's a select few that can generate that sort of energy and still hit it accurately, like Bryson does, and, and how Rory and DJ and a few guys do. But yeah, you're always sort of expecting that Bryson would 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 tickle the egos of some of the power guys on the tour, and so there'll be that going on. But the truth of it is, every PGA Tour range you go to. Um, every practice range you go to, guys are trying to maximize. They're mm-hmm. fiddling around with new golf club designs. They're changing shafts. They're changing golf balls. They, they're looking for mixes and they're looking for changes in their technique or whatever it might be, their physique even, to, to, to get the most out of what they do. Um, but there's that handful of folks, maybe more, that, that, that can get those sorts of speeds. And i got to tell you, I think average on the PGA Tour, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of in the 170 range. So 190 is pretty special ball speed-wise. Kyle, I'm not sure if you saw this this morning. It just came out before we kind of started recording this Rory McIlroy stuff. And and do you think it's interesting that Bryson DeChambeau spent nine months, put on 35 pounds, drank eight protein shakes a day to get to the numbers that he's at, and then Tony Finau swung a little bit harder and Rory opened up his stance a little bit, added a new shaft, and is like kind of getting to the same point. Isn't that interesting that some of these guys just have this in reserves? Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and I think I think what's so, I think what's so telling about this Bryson stuff. And again, I keep going back to like, is is changing like the direct like the trajectory of golf history? It's not like it's not radically like reorienting golf to like this you know whatever but I think that I think that it is changing it a little bit and I think you see the the result of that with stuff like this and and I don't know maybe not man like maybe in three years we're sitting here talking about uh how nothing really changed at all and everything kind of stayed the same but it does feel like things are shifting a little bit and guys like Rory and DJ and Pino are like okay if you want to play that game then then let's go ahead and that's that's how we're going to play now and see if you can keep up with it and i think i think i think bryson can because i think he's going to think more unconventionally and and in more absurd ways than those guys are and 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 commit himself to those things i just i don't this sounds crazy i don't know if rory can can hang with bryson not like obviously i like watching rory swing more than bryson but is, is Rory going to commit to gaining 40 pounds and like doing all these absurd things that it, that Bryson will like clearly do to, to gain, to gain the distance. I don't think he will. And I don't think as a human, I don't know that you necessarily should, uh, but it is, it's going to be so interesting over the next couple of years. I think. Hey, um, just, just, just a quick point to that. The, the, the leverage that Rory creates is, is, is uncanny. He and Tony Fina have those sorts of, those sorts of levers and, and there's one or two other that make it look effortless and they generate that sort of speed where Bryson's golf swing wasn't really built to that. So he had to use more with a force equals mass times acceleration for, for kilowatts basically. And, and so Rory has that, but the truth of it is um, this is, you know, the power race has been happening for a while. I mean, we saw that, that exhibition match there at uh, Payne's Valley where 
is Gary Player asking Jack Nicholas for a golf tip to hit the thing farther before they go and hit the ceremonial tee shot. So, so everyone's always been trying to hit the ball longer. The thing about it is, is that we're all talking about the driver, but the truth of it still is that you've got to parlay that long tee shot into some sort of score. And so, you know, that's what Bryson did well. He had the power off the tee, but hit proper wedges. Rory, there's the wedge game by his own admission has been an Achilles heel if, as such, and he's improved that over recent times. So I'm keen to see now if he's chasing the speed and he's making changes to the driver shaft and obviously the golf ball, what the knock-on effect is to the wedge. Because the guy who's done it, I think the best, arguably, is Dustin Johnson. He had the speed, but came, became great when he started hitting really good wedge shots. Justin Thomas, same deal. So, so, so I think there's more to it than just the power off the tee, honestly. Yeah, Twitter was, well a Twitter this morning. And basically the joke was, are we sure that Rory wants to hit more wedges closer to the green? Like, is that, is that the, the strategy <laughs> he wants to go with? Which is uh, not, not that, uh, here's, not that bad yeah. idea. here's the thing. Like Rory wants to get into a competition where every shot is from 240. Like in, in yeah. that, in that scenario, he wins, right? When everything's from like 110, he's not going to win. Justin Thomas is going to win. Um, you know, DJ is gonna is gonna be good in that scenario. So uh, that's a really, you know, that's a really interesting point. And I think it, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm so fascinated by all of this because I think it's super interesting. And I think that we almost can't make too big of a deal out of it because I think we're gonna look back and say that that that's when things started really shifting a lot, even more so than they had been over the, the past ten or twenty years. Yeah. Should be should be fascinating. Um, also very interested to see what in the world Francesco Molinari does this week at TPC Summerlin because he is back in the field. And if you haven't been paying attention, the last time that we saw Molinari was the WGC Mexico Championship. That was in February. He was ranked 26th in the world after that event. Mark, he has not played since. He is now ranked 73rd. I think he's been moving the family to California, I believe. Obviously, we had the 91-day break and all that stuff. But, like, I don't know. What are the expectations for Molinari? And are there any? I don't know. I mean, players <laughs> always have expectations of this of themselves, but he'll probably go into this with low expectation because, you know, there's a it's a huge step from the driving range and your club golf course to a PGA Tour event. And, and a Thursday morning tea time. So, so from that point of view, um, I, I'm not expecting much. I'm sure he isn't, but I'm sure during the off time, he's went and identified one or two things that needed some tightening up because the truth of it is, you know, he went through that torrid tear where he was like an assassin with a ball striking, you know, en route to the open championship victory. And, and, and that run when I called that 64, where he dusted the field, the final round of the Cricket Loans National around Avenel just outside of DC, which was an unreal round. And the guy just flagged it on every single shot. And it looked like he was almost robotic, you know, with the swing speed and the ball striking. And, and, and he had that vein of form that was that special thing that everyone looks for. But then the game sort of went a little sour and, and the putting was a little off uh, the mark and the ball striking wasn't really there. And so I, I think maybe for Molinari, this was a time to sort of restart, recalibrate, recheck. And, and get one or two things ironed out. So I'm, I'm certain from that point of view that he did, because he's that sort of a guy, I'm just not sure, you know, what to expect under pressure. 
KP, he's only, I mean, there's the, the historical turning point, right. Is, is 2019 masters, right? That's it's like, what was Molinari before? And what was Molinari after? That's what everyone's going to point to because he won API a couple weeks before the masters. He was in the final four at the match play. Um, and then after, I mean, he's only played 18 times since, which for like Sungjae, that would have been 18 weeks worth, not uh, 18 months worth. So I, I think it's just, uh, a subplot that I'm very interested to see, not necessarily this week, but what he does moving forward, because we're not in theory that far removed from some of these dominating performances that, that Mark referenced. All right. I'm just sitting here thinking about what Finau and Rory are going to try to do at Augusta. I can't <laughs> think. Um, no, you're right. And yeah, he doesn't have a top 10 since the masters. He finished T five. Um, and it is, it's weird, right? Like, I, I think that we see, like, like typically, and we talked about this a little bit with Sergio, you have this sort of hangover after winning your first major championship. And Molinari didn't have that because he wins the Open in 18, and then he comes back and nearly wins the 19 Masters. And so the joke is obviously that, like, Tiger, like, ended his life and, put it, you know, he's in right, he's still right. floating down the Creek or whatever. Um, but... The whole thing is just, I was reading some of his quotes today, like, uh, and and I think this was something he put out on social media, like, hey, I didn't retire, like, I just, there was a life change, I moved my family to California. It it feels like there's more to the story, Uh, and and I don't know if, I I have no idea if that's true, I don't know if anything will ever come out, maybe he was just, maybe he's just, I don't, I I think sometimes you win that major and and you just, um, I don't know. You, you kind of ascend the mountain and then it's like, okay, you start looking around what's next. And again, like that didn't really happen to him because he was still competitive for like a year after that. But yeah. it, it has been, it's been a weird last 18 months for, for Francesco Molina. He's outside the top 70 now. Yeah. In- interesting to see what trajectory uh, he's on moving forward. Uh, we have a PGA championship. This week, the BMW PGA Championship on the European Tour uh, going to Wentworth, which this is always a great event. It has a stacked field. The co-favorites, Patrick Reed and Tommy Fleetwood at 11 to 1. You get Terrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry. Uh, there's It's a lot of great names. Mark, I'll throw this to you uh, uh, again. I think this is just... Um, a great event on another tour. This is a worldwide sport that is not only played in North America, no matter how much I want it to be, there is great golf going on uh, on the, on the rest of the planet. I'll tell you what, uh, th- this event will long be one of my favorites. I think it was probably one of my first I ever went to on the European tour. It was still the Volvo PGA championship back in the day. And I'm dating myself. I know, <laughs> but, 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 you know, Wentworth is just a fantastic golf course. It's become even better since Ernie Els redesigned it a few years ago. It's just in a beautiful area, Surrey, outside of London. I mean, it just, it smacks golf. It is just all golf when you get there from that majestic palatial looking clubhouse to a golf course that is that, that wins its way between the hardwoods over there. So it's a great spot. It's always going to be one of the jewels in the European Tour's crown. And, and, and proof of the fact is that you know, the European stars show up for the thing and they hold this event in high regard. And if you go and look at the list of champions, it's essentially a who's who of golf. I mean, you've got Ballesteros and Norman and Feldo and, and Monty and all of these sorts of names that are all Hall of Famers. So it, it's, it's a great one. It's one that I will wake up early for to watch on the European tour. And, and 
and then brings back fantastic memories. And, and it's just an awesome golf course that to me, there's a great job of identifying the best player in the field because you, you're not going to scrub your way around that place and contend. That's one thing for certain. I think that's my takeaway too, uh, Mark and, and Kyle, that's a testament to the course, to the event when you get the stars and not only the European tour stars, but Hey, Patrick Reed hops a flight. He's headed over to play. The fact that you can draw this year in and year out, I think is a testament to everything they've got going on over there. Yeah, for sure. By the way, two uh, PGA championships this weekend because the, uh, the ladies PGA championship is at uh, Iran. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, by the way, lifetime European tour member, Patrick Reed. I think <laughs> we, should, we should refer to him as Sir Patrick Reed. Uh, hey, but you, but you get that stuff if you win a major championship. Eh? If you win a major, you become a lifetime member over there. So that works. Really? Yeah. My brother's a lifetime member as well. And you can take that up and play for a little while if you've lost your playing privileges. That's basically how it works. Hey, producer Jacob, look look this up. Is isn't isn't Reed like a uh, he, he got some like honorary like some weird thing for the European tour that only like Ernie Els and Sergio had gotten or something like that. It was bizarre. This was like three years ago. Producer Jacob will look it up. But uh, yeah, like it, it's a great event and it's going to be a ton of fun. Fleetwood's coming in off of a uh, playoff loss last week. Uh, he lost the Scottish Open to Aaron. Ray, Aaron Rye, don't know how to say his name, but um, Rye. I'm always intrigued whenever Tommy Fleetwood's playing well. So I, I, I think Tommy Fleetwood, Wentworth, BMW PGA Championship should be a lot of fun. It is an honorary lifetime membership to the European Tour. There are only three other Americans to receive the honor. Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Tom Watson, and Patrick Reed. That's a Mount Rushmore unreal. of American golf. Yeah, I, yeah. Forget, forget, forget. Uh, Tiger Woods. Yeah, wait. <laughs> yeah, no tiger. Yeah, that's unreal. <laughs> that's phenomenal. So there you go. Honorary lifetime member of the European Tour, Patrick Reed. Gentlemen, we've got matchups to do. We've got expert picks. We've got one and done and best bets. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. We have said goodbye to Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And we're bringing in the real GFD. That's Greg Ducharme. What's up, Greg? Happy to join in. Happy to fill in for Mark. Uh, and I'm here for the good stuff. So thanks for bringing me in. You guys are a tag team. He he, he tagged you in. You're ready to rock and roll. I still, it's been a while since I've, I've seen him. I haven't gotten a chance to wish him happy birthday yet. Oh, well, you're like a week late. So you'll have to get on that. All right, here we go. Match ups. Bryson DeChambeau, the beefy boy, minus 135 versus Webb Simpson. Greg, you get to go first. Man, this is, does it get, so uh, it doesn't get more challenging than this. I'm going to go Webb here, and I'll tell you why. I think Webb has a higher floor. I, I think Bryson has a really good chance of winning the tournament, but uh, if he doesn't win, then I don't think he beats Webb. I think Webb's going to put himself right there in the mix. And Bryson, I think, is maybe a little... There's a really good chance he wins, but he could also... If he doesn't win, I think it's less likely that he has as high a finish as Webb. So I'm going to go with the steady guy in Webb Simpson. He's going to go with the floor. Kyle, who do you like? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good explanation. Um, as much as I want to pick the big boy, I'm gonna go with uh, with Webster as well. All right. Well, I don't want to spoil anything for later, but I will take the big boy. I'll take Bryson, and we'll get Mark's pick uh, later. Patrick Cantlay, who has absolutely dominated TPC Summerlin. Okay, here's a question: in in like a three year stretch, who has similar history anywhere as Cantlay? So like Spieth at Augusta, maybe Hideki at waste management. I'm trying to think of another. Kyle, we'll go to you here. Patrick Cantlay minus 118 versus Tony Finau minus 112. Uh Webb at Wyndham. Webb awesome. at Wyndham. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Finau here. He's gonna be spoiler for later. One of my one of my pick one of my handful of picks. Um I think the Cantlay history thing gets a little overblown. He he's been yeah, I don't think he's been his normal self recently. He just he, he's been fine. He just hasn't been quite up to what his standards are. And and I think people are going to look at the one two two and think, oh, lights out. And I just I, I don't know. I think I think there's some value to be had there going against him. I definitely think that, uh, and I don't think this. I mean, he hasn't been as good since basically the memorial as we would expect. Maybe he needs a little bit of a spark. I'll take Patrick Cantlay. Greg, who do you like here? Uh, I understand where Kyle's coming from here. And if uh, to go with what I did with Webb and Bryson would be to go with Finau because I, I think Finau has a pretty high floor here. But um, but Cantlay, I think, is going to find a little bit of a spark this week. I'm not saying it's going to be a top two finish, but I do think he is going to edge out Tony Finau in a close one. I, I'm going to take Cantlay. So that means Kyle is on Finau Island because Mark also took Patrick Cantlay and Mark took Bryson in the first matchup. Hideki Matsuyama back in action, minus 118 versus Las Vegas native, friend of the pod, Colin Morikawa, minus 112. Greg, we'll stay with you. I'm going to go Morikawa here. I feel like he's the most uh, underrated player in the field this week um, based on the way that he's been kind of projected and, and rated. I'm going to give Morikawa better odds than than Vegas does. No pun intended. I I, I like Morikawa. Nicely done, Kyle. Uh, yeah, Ju- <laughs> Jupiter of the West resident, Colin Morikawa. Uh, I uh, I'm going to go with the decky. I, I love Morikawa. I, I mean, you guys know, like I love his game. I love everything about him. But decky has been kind of low key, really good, and he was awesome. U.S. Open. His ball striking, I, he might have been second or third in the field in terms of strokes and tee degree at the U.S. Open. So, I don't know. I like him uh, in this week, although I, I'll admit this is kind of a toss-up for me. I don't have it in front of me, but Hideki has like seven top 25s in his last eight starts or something, which usually wins you a lot of matchups. But I'll take Morikawa as well. So, Kyle, you are on... Hideki Island, you are on Tony Finau Island. You've got some, uh, you can make up some ground here. Next up, Scotty Scheffler, who was the favorite last week in Jackson, going up against Matthew Wolf minus 118. I'll go first here. I love Matt Wolf. I mean, I just think he's going to bomb it all over the place. The game is getting sharper and, and sharper every week. Just absolutely love it. I'll take the Wolfman in this spot, Kyle. By the way, I love how the guy who went 0 6 last week is talking about how I can make that ground. <laughs> <laughs> Every week is a new week, my man. <laughs> That's so good. I, I love Matt Wolf as well. I, 
I'm going to go with Scheffler, and the re- the only reason is because I like guys come. I-, I like the value of guys coming off of bad weeks. You know, he, he wasn't a terrible week. I think he's going to play his way back into it. I, I believe that I-, I think he's like a top 20 type guy. And yeah, I'll just I'll take him against Matthew. Both me and Scotty are going to play our way back into it this week after a, after a bad week. Uh, Greg, okay, Mark took Wolf. I took Wolf. Kyle takes Scotty Scheffler. Greg, you're on. Man, I never I never play the game this way. I, I don't do it, but I'm doing it here. I got to go Scheffler. I got to box out Kyle on, on another island. Wow. Just get take a runaway here. I, I'm confident in Wolf. I feel like he's going to play really well, but I still need to see the consistency, which is the thing I'm looking for this year out of him. I'm, he's de- I'm definitely watching him to see if he can perform at a consistent level. Scheffler to me has proven he can, can he can compete at a at a consistent level. So going with the I, I think a higher floor in Scotty Scheffler, I'm gonna take him with Kyle. This one to me is the most interesting. Jason Day minus 112 versus Ricky Fowler minus 118. I think by their own standards the last year for both of these guys hasn't been all that great. Uh, Mark is going to take Jason Day. Greg we'll stay here with you. Um, I'm going to go Ricky Fowler here. And again, I'm taking a flyer on it. I, I think Ricky's going to have a little bit of a comeback this year. Uh, and I hope that it starts this week. He does tend to like the desert. He plays well on some of these courses, uh, some of the easy courses in the desert. We saw him win at the waste management at the American express, uh, Thursday and Friday. He had himself right in contention with a couple of low ones. So I'm expecting good things from Ricky. Um, we've got to see him close one out. But I think he's going to have what it takes to beat Jason Day. This week, iron play to me is really important. And that's Jason Day's weakness. So uh, I'm going to give Ricky an edge here. I also think kind of on the eye test, um, you know, Ricky Fowler has looked at times like he's close, maybe putting two, three rounds together, trying to figure it out. I'm also going to take Ricky Fowler four trips to TPC Summerlin. Four top 25s. He hasn't played here every single year, but when he does, it goes well. Kyle, Jason Day, or Ricky Fowler? I'm going Fowler. I, I thought there were moments at Wingfoot that he looked pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with him here over Jason Day. Sung J.M. This is our last matchup. Sung J.M. minus 125 versus Louis Oosthuizen at minus 106. Kyle, we'll go right back to you. Uh, I'm going to go with Sung Jay. I, I don't know. I, I never know what to do with Louis. Like I've, 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 like he doesn't he doesn't win on the on the PGA Tour, right? Like he and he like doesn't he, he kind of contends in non majors. I just I don't know that I would ever have a ton of confidence picking him in a in a something like this in a in a non major championship because I don't know what I'm getting. So I'll, I'll go with Sungjae. It is interesting. I took Louie. Greg and I talked a lot about this on Monday's pod, which was like, you know, Louie was, you know, one of the most expensive golfers in fantasy. He was the second, he had the second shortest odds last week and he, he didn't even play. And now you get like a much better value on him in the market. So I took Louie here, um, which I know it's against my, my Sungjae, you know, love and, and religion, but I took Louie, Greg, who do you like here? I take Sungjae here as well. Um, to um, to what Kyle said, you don't really know in non-majors. Louis is a pick I always like in major championships when he, um, wh- he you get him at great value. He doesn't quite run with the uh, the top prize 
guys. He doesn't run with the big boys. Uh, no pun intended. He, he just, he's kind of a, a, a class below yet. He's at the top of his class. You call him at in the B class. He's the top of the B class. He doesn't quite get into the a. So, so the value you get is great when he gets into a field like this, because of his performance on some really hard golf courses in great fields, it kind of creeps up there. Yet, I, I don't really see him compete when the scores get really, really low. So I, I like Sungjae here a little bit more than Louie. Um, as big a fan as, as I am of Louie, I'm going to go Sungjae. Mark took Louie. We brought Greg in at the halfway point, and we've got two no pun intended. Like, I, we need to bring you in at the halfway point. If we're going to get puns the whole time, this is the best version of Greg. <laughs> <laughs> this is phenomenal. Hey, hey, Not his Vegas act. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get a residency at the uh, Bellagio by the end of the episode. Um, yeah, well, I, I used to winter in Jupiter, so I'm thinking it's time to move west. <laughs> Expert picks. Let's start with our sleepers. Kyle, yours is already in the outline. Thank you very much. And going back to a familiar name. Who is it? Yeah, Will Zalatoris last week. He's what, 12 to 1, 15 to 1? Yeah, it was short. So he misses one cut, and he's 55. I, I get it. It's a better field. But listen, of all the guys in this field over the last three months, nobody, you can go to data golf, nobody has a better strokes gain tee to green number over the last three months. Now, some of that's corn fairy, and it's normalized by data golf to, to, to like compete with PGA Tour guys. Um, he's just, I think we're underrating who he is, where he's at. 55 to one is a good number. If it was 35 to one, I wouldn't be picking him, but 55 to one, I think is a good number. For him. I, I do think that's interesting because he told us he was gassed. Honestly, you might be able to argue that missed cut was worth it, uh, to get a couple extra days rest heading into this one. Um, I went with Denny McCarthy at 66 to one mentioned this with Greg on Monday's pod. He's hitting the ball much better in his last six events since the 3M Open than he has in his entire career. He's still a great putter. This thing might turn into a putting contest. I think Denny McCarthy wins soon. I don't know if it's here, but I like him at 66 to one. Greg, would you like to reveal your sleeper to the world? Uh, Russell Henley. Uh, Russell Henley to me is kind of what we're looking for in an event like this, in that he is extremely strong with his iron play. Last year on the PGA Tour, he was third approaching the green. Uh, his weakness would be his driving ability and his distance. And I think on a shorter course like this, that will matter less. His average drive last year was at 290. Um, and he did hit a lot of fairways, but he hits a lot of greens and he hits it close a lot. And, and that's where he makes a majority of his birdies. I would like to see a guy who putts a little bit better than Russell, but he can get really streaky. And so let's look for a signal of a streak. Where, where is his streak been? Well, it's been pretty good. I mean, you look at the Wyndham championship last year, tied ninth, tied eighth at the Northern trust, tied 25th at the BMW championship. His form has been strong. Uh, and I think a little bit of rest probably did a, did a good thing for him. So I think Russell Henley is going to come out hot this week. Top 10 locks and Greg will stay here with you. This is a golfer that you referenced their high floor earlier in the episode. So it makes sense that this guy's your top 10 lock. Yeah. Uh, Webb Simpson, he could be your top 10 lock just about every single week. <laughs> yeah. Every week. <laughs> it's all he does. I mean, the U S open, he was not, he wasn't really part of the story. He shot three straight 71s. We Nobody was really saying, well, watch out for Webb as the tournament went on. But just the consistency prevails. And by the time it ends, he's tied eighth. And, and it's not really anything that we talk about. 
Um, last year in 14 events, eight top tens. Um, and, and to end the year, which I think everybody would kind of agree it was a slow finish to the year for Webb, yes. which included tied third at Wyndham, tied sixth at Northern Trust, tied 12th at the, at the Tour Championship, and then tied eighth at the U.S. Open. So it's been kind of a slow run for Webb, yet here we are with uh, just about everyone is inside the top 10. So that's the crazy part. If you were just like, did Webb have a good stretch at the end of last year? You'd be like, no. And it's like four consecutive top 15s. He pl- he, he played well at Wingsfoot, which he probably shouldn't have. Like it, it's crazy what this guy does. Uh, Kyle, speaking of crazy, what this guy does, your top 10 lock is. I've got the big boy. Uh, yeah, baby. He's got three top 10s at this event. Uh, you know, I, I I think you can hedge this with uh, Big Boy to miss the cut at six to one because I think that I think sometimes what happens we talked about this earlier with Molinari sometimes you win a major championship and you just fall off the map uh, over the next couple months I I don't think that'll happen with Bryson just because of his what he's doing I think he's super locked in you've still got the Masters coming up um, but I do like him to top 10 this week just because he's going to have I mean Mark referenced it like you got to be good with your wedges but if you're Bryson you have to be less good than everybody else and, and especially here where it's just I mean you mentioned it at the end of last week like you can just let it fly on so many holes on this course so uh, yeah I, I got him in the top you're not going to get it a good number I think it's plus 100 but uh, I, I really like him to top 10 this week yeah, um, I'll spoil it. He's my winner. Uh, Bryson is my pick to win. I usually don't like to bet the shortest guy in the field, but I could not make a case against Bryson. The only case you can make is the major championship hangover, which Bryson's wired different. He's just weird. Like he likes he likes this stuff too much. He likes golf too much. He likes, I don't know, it's just different. Uh, so he's my pick to win. And then my top 10, I went with a little bit longer. I went with Christopher Ventura, who you can get at seven to one. He's got two top tens in his last three starts. He has, he's the unique guy that gains strokes off the tee and hits it far enough. And he putts well, which usually comes in handy in some of these, um, I don't want to call them birdie fest, but hey, 20, 21 under par. That's what it might end up being. You talk about last week that, that had that skill set. It was probably Patrick Rogers. Yeah, that was it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Who played himself out of it in the first five holes, and then as uh, Greg Greg mentioned on Monday, he played great for the last twenty seven, but it was too little, too late. Yeah, I, and I I like that. I, if, if you're looking for another, he could be another sleeper. I mean, I, I don't know if he has really the win equity this week, but he he's definitely a guy. As we said yesterday, I would definitely put him in a fantasy lineup. Um, coming off of basically a bad five hole stretch. Yeah. All right. I've got to dive into both of your picks to win here because I think they're very interesting for different reasons. Honestly, I thought they were switched. I thought Greg's was Kyle's and Kyle's was Greg looking at who these picks to win are. Greg, we'll start with you. Colin Morikawa, he's 20 to 1. I I tried to make the case on Monday that his ability to hit fairways doesn't matter as much here. And you kind of shot me down on that. And the more I thought about it, I, I think you're right. Well, so there's definitely an advantage for an accurate hitter when the rough gets long. But Morikawa is more than just accurate off the tee. His biggest asset is not his driving accuracy. It's his iron play. It's his approach game. And as fairways get wider and rough gets lower, golf courses turn into second shot golf courses. When fairways get really narrow and rough gets high, they turn into first shot golf courses, whether it's distance or accuracy the tee shot becomes the most important thing. 
This week, the second shot becomes the most important thing because everybody's going to be in a place where they can approach the green. So whose game is the best suited to approach these greens? Well, uh, Colin Morikawa. There was only one player on tour last year who was better approaching the greens than him, and he's not in the field this week. That's Justin Thomas. Um, and, and to me, Colin Morikawa is the guy in the odds. I can't believe the odds. I can't get over it. It's like he doesn't play well at, at a U.S. Open, misses a cut at a U.S. Open, which he's not the only one to do, and all of a sudden his game is in shambles, and he's now 20-1 to 1 to win. So I, I look at that as um, he's had a little bit of rest and he's one of the Jupiter, I mean, Vegas guys. And I think that you're going to see him uh, perform really well this week. That was what kind of stood out to me on Monday when the odds came out. I thought he should have been the third shortest. He was 22. He's been bet down to 20. He's still kind of in that same range with a few other golfers. And Kyle, I had to do a double take on this one. Your pick to win is a guy who would break a very interesting curse if he were to do it. I know. I just, I believe in Tony Finau. I probably, it's probably irrational, but he's, he's been playing so great. Two top tens in his last three starts. Uh, one at the U.S. Open, one at the BMW Championship. I don't care what he did at the fake tour championship, the shadow leaderboard. Uh, he's, he's, been, he's been hitting it great. And look, he's somebody who scores a ton. I mean, he just scores and scores and scores. And, uh, if the putter is is halfway decent, I, I think he's going to have a huge week. So I just I love him this week. It's a low key place to get your to get the win that he's kind of looking for, um, but it's a good enough field to get his attention. I, I think he's going to be good. We'll keep an eye on him. Greg certainly will. I thought that was Greg's pick to win for a second, uh, gentlemen. I, I like it. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> uh, we're going to go quick here. Rapid fire on one and done. You're not required to put this pick in. But where are you leaning, Kyle? This one's tough. Uh, probably Finau, just because he's my pick to win. But I, I might talk myself into because you, you I might say Finau for later. I mean, it's such a long season. I, I'm not. I might go somewhere. I've already used Zalatoris, but somebody in that range, like the fifty to one. But I'll probably end up going Finau. Uh, I agree this is difficult because there's really no natural fits, and a lot of the guys at the top I prefer to save. I think. It might be Patrick Cantlay for me. I think he's the most natural. I don't like that he hasn't been playing as well recently, so I'm kind of torn on that. Uh, but I think he makes a lot of sense. Greg, who do you like? I'm with you, Rick. Patrick Cantlay is my guy. I understand the question marks, but is it really that bad? I mean, tied 12th at the BMW, tied 43rd at the U.S. Open, and we all know how a U.S. Open can go. So I don't look at that as a negative. Um, I, and I think a little time off is good. He's coming back to a place he's cl clearly comfortable i don't think the signs of recent form are bad enough to avoid him and he is the natural fit as you said best bets greg you've kind of alluded to this one it is webb simpson to finish in the top 10 at plus 150 right yeah you know i normally like matchups i find these these uh top 10 top fives to be a little tight at times like odd. Ah, you don't really get a lot of breathing room but with webb to be plus 150 to top 10 i i mean to me it's the lock of the week so i'm going to call it my best bet as well there you go. You heard it here first. Lock yeah. it up. KP, do you have a best bet? You have to pay for this subscription, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I got two for you. I got Russell Henley top 10. I think he's uh, plus 500. 
and then Bryson to miss the cut at six to one. I, I really like both of those. Um, I don't think Bryson will miss the cut, but I do think there's a world that, that he could. I do kind of like when you first said that, I was like, I'm going to just match my Bryson to win ticket with like the same odds for him to miss the cut because those feel like the two most likely outcomes. Like he doesn't finish T35 here ever. Um, I went super freaky. I went with Christopher Ventura to be a top three European at two to one, which means he's going up against the likes of Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, Henrik Stenson, Rafa Cabrera Bello. He'll finish in the top three. He'll cash that two to one ticket. Gentlemen, Las Vegas, much appreciated. We'll do it all again from Vegas next week. We'll still do round by round this week and uh, maybe a little bit something new. We'll see what producer Jacob has in mind behind the glass. Thank you to Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. Thanks to Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>